Adams, he's nursing a hamstring injury, as is Falcons wide receiver Julio Jones, who missed practice today. Hall of Fame running back Gail Sayers passed away after battling dementia. He was 77 years old, spent his entire seven-year career with the Bears. I'm Dan Byer. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hi, everybody. The Full Court Press. Eric France and LJ Salveson, thanks for joining us, however and wherever you're doing so. 401, your kickoff time here on a midway through the week, Wednesday, September 23rd. Hey, um, so earlier today, we had an, an issue at one of our broadcast locations. So we had a couple different stations that had some issues. So we apologize if you're listening to 106.9 and the fan went away for a while. Well, hold on. L- you- l- l- let me clear something up. We only apologize if you missed anything except Doug Gottlieb. It's Doug Gottlieb, we do not apologize. <laughs> it was You're during thrilled. It was during Doug. Then you didn't miss anything. But as a reminder, you can find one of, or you can listen to the fan in multiple places. Not only on 106.9 FM if you're in Cache County, but also on 1390 AM. And we're always streaming on 1069thefan.com. So couple different places to find us. We apologize for the inconvenience. But um, the, the nice thing about the way this station is set up is that you have multiple places to still access and listen to what's going on. So, sorry about that. Seems like it's fixed, and we hope it stays that way. Thank you to Kevin, the engineer, getting it, addressing it right away. Well... Good to be on air. Yeah. Nice to be thinking you. How was your day, AJ? <clears throat> uh, it was it was all right. So, you know, sometimes you gotta summon up the energy to you know to come in. I, I thought I I went out of my way to make your day a little bit brighter this afternoon. You did. You gave me uh, a lube of raspberry juice. <laughs> it's not. Well, what? <laughs> what? That's not what I gave you. <laughs> what, what raspberry? Uh, what stick up? What is it? Lube. <laughs> Ooze. Goo. A lube of raspberry goo. goo. It's not a lube. Stop saying that. <laughs> it's not what it is at all. <laughs> that really sounds wrong. <laughs> oh man! And I, I uh, have all this gum. Yeah. Yeah, and a big pack of uh, oh, man. big league chew. Dude, I've chewed over half the bag already. <laughs> big thing of bubble gum. Now only the best for the commissioner. <laughs> I hate you so badly. <laughs> Uh, if you want to participate in our show, you know the drill. 435-339-0321 to text in. 435-752-1069 to call in. Okay, you know what? Uh, Eric, you post this question to me personally. And I want to pose it to our listeners. Right or wrong? Uh, we are looking for a every Wednesday segment to do. So, like, for example... Monday, we have our Put a Cap on It Monday, where we recap everything that went on in the weekend. Tuesdays are Stat That Blew Your Mind, and our David Price, Player of the Week, sponsored by David Price. Uh, we have our Thursday Pick 6 and our Friday 5 Best. As you, the listeners, you can text in or call in. You can text in at 435-339-0321 or 435-752-1069 to call in. What 
would you want us to do on a Wednesday? So we used to do the movie quiz for our loyal listeners. Uh, we started running out of sports movies. Now, we could do just like regular movies, but I've never seen, and Eric that has. That might be asking too much of our audience. Yeah, because like Lord of the Rings, I've never seen. Harry Potter, <laughs> Star Wars, Pokemon, uh, Thor. Like, I've never seen that. What have you seen? All the good movies <laughs> that weren't overrated, like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. You say I thought you just named a bunch of good movies. Uh, no, those were again overrated movies with really weird. Because I think you on. relate to a lot of those characters <laughs> in some of those movies. Okay, just... so give me an example. Like what? This ought to be good. Because <laughs> a number of those movies they have smaller characters. That's all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're, a little, they're sh- a little bit shorter in stature. I thought maybe you'd. Relate to that. So you want me to like do like what a voice in Schmeagel? <laughs> I'll do it. I swear. No, no. Let's, we don't. Need, we don't need to go there. <laughs> oh, hey, we could do Captain Craig Smith Wednesday, where we get a read off one of his tweets <laughs> in his accent. Two seven seven six has texted in. Okay. Uh, bad take Wednesday. Narrow down his worst takes in the last week and pick a winner. Wait, who's his? Uh, Yours? He says AJ, but I'm sure he means. Oh, AJ, AJ Knight. Yeah, AJ has a lot of bad takes. <laughs> Let's do let's do AJ Knight. I'm sure that's meant to be AJ. Bad take Wednesday. Oh crap, he does correct it. It does say AJ. <laughs> uh <laughs> you know what? Bad take Wednesday is actually not a bad one. Where we go back and we like, for example, remember when the Jazz dropped three games to one and I guaranteed a win in game five? And they lost, and I thought they would win in game six and they lost, and I thought, hey, that's all right, we're gonna fix it in game seven. Nope. So we could go like, I mean, that, there's a bad take. What went wrong Wednesday? Ah, yes. What went wrong? Uh, <laughs> I mean, we and there's there's a lot of ways you could go with that one. Like the Falcons not recovering an onside kick <laughs> between three guys that were standing around the ball. Uh, <laughs> that's a good one. What went wrong Wednesday? Bad take Wednesday, 2776. That's actually a really good one. And there's a lot of them. Eric gives a ton of them. Uh, we will one time, we could do... Like, for example, a bad take could do, uh, let's see, you could do, <laughs> um, what are you laughing at? 276 followed up. You could do good take Wednesday, but we'd only be able to have the segment every couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we could do the one, Eric, where you left a notable name off our Friday best, our Friday five best in our Utah State Aggie lineup. And you forgot, like, one of the leading scores of all time. Not I didn't leave anybody off that needed to be there. That deserved. That's, dude, that's forever going to be just there. be like lured into the history of the full court press. Is when Audrey <laughs> left JC Carroll off the Friday Five Best for Aggie men's basketball players. Um, yeah, no, that's a good one. I like that one. Two seven seven six. Thanks for all. Thanks for your great text, man. Appreciate you a lot. Uh, again, if you want to text him, we just need a Friday or excuse me, a Wednesday segment, and we want to make sure that our listeners are involved one way or another because. The listeners make this show happen. Without a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, our listeners are incredible. We want to make sure you're involved in the show. So help us, and we're going to definitely take that in consideration of either um, Bad Take Wednesday or What Went Wrong Wednesday. Uh, let's hear them all, and then we'll have something fixed up by next Wednesday, 435-339-0321 to text in or 435-752-1069 to call in. I like it. Yeah. I love it. I, I, I'd love to get the feedback on that. We need the feedback. Uh, Eric... Speaking of feedback, do you else do 
You know who else needed feedback after last night's NBA game three? Wait, yeah, game three, right? Like everybody, I once again, we, this is almost a repeat history. Everybody has the Nuggets written off. They're done, right? They're down two games to none. Anthony Davis hits a three to win it to, you know, take away a heartbreaking, or I guess put a heartbreaking arrow into the hearts of all the Nugget Nation and Nugget players. And everyone said this series is over now. If you couldn't split that first two games, you aren't going to win this one. Murray and Jokic decided to say, you know what? Been there. Murray goes to the left hand. They switch the pick and roll through the window to Joker for three. Got it. Murray gets a high pick from Millsap, guarded by Caruso. Stutter step in a drive, jump pass down low to Millsap, back over to Murray. Murray attacks again, back over to Millsap, and a dunk with two hands. One minute to go, and the Nuggets are right back into the series. Murray gets a pick from Nikola Jokic, high left side, takes a long three, jumpers up and in. The Nuggets lead at 111-99 in game number three. And Hastings, this thing is over. 114-106, Nuggets defeat the Lakers and now have uh, cut the deficit two games to one. Look, unless you see blood and guts and you feel no pulse at all on the Nuggets' bodies, they're alive. Yeah, no kidding. Like this is ridiculous. The, this is starting. The Jazz to get dumb. made them look ridiculous. Made them look silly in games. Was it two and three? Yeah. Uh, the the Clippers made them look ridiculous. Similarly, I think it was in games maybe two or three, or was it three and four? It was three and four in that one. Um, and in game one in this series, it looked like the Lakers were going to run away with this easily. But this Denver Nuggets team, they never say die. They make great adjustments. Uh, they've got two stars, legit stars, and they continue to defy the odds. Everybody wants to only talk about LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and they're not talking about Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray and what they're doing and how well they're doing it. I had talked about last night that a couple guys I thought needed to step up for Denver if they wanted to get the win were Paul Millsap, and uh, I also mentioned uh, Craig and uh, Morris. There's a couple of guys that needed to, to do a little bit more. Uh, turns out that Millsap did still provide huge minutes and big possessions for the Nuggets. He didn't score as many points, but he was he had the hot, the best plus-minus of anybody on Denver last night. Uh, he had some great defense that he that he did, uh, was as, as best as he can do on LeBron James. But just part of that ball movement and veteran leadership and just never backing down. I think that's what Paul Millsap brings to that team. But really, honestly, it was a play of Jeremy Grant that really spiced things up for, for Denver. Gave him that third scoring option. He was super active. Um, it, getting to the line, uh, he shot more free throws than anybody by a long shot for Denver. I just thought he created a lot. He was so active and made things happen. Um, and it's definitely benefited from just being in the right place at the right time. Murray was able to find him on some great looks, and he had some great flushes. So Jeremy Grant had a huge game. Morris was big off the bench as well, but uh, really you have to look at uh, the type of game that Grant had as a big part of why they won. Again, 114-106, Jamal Murray has 28-12, and 12, including the two late trades to pretty much bury the Lakers. Jeremy Grant, as you added, Eric, Playoff career high of 26 points. Nikola Jokic had 22 points, 10 rebounds. By the way, 
the the whole like one footer Dirk Nowitzki, Dirk Nowitzki identical shot that Nikola Jokic has been able to pull off. The one where he pivoted like six different times, and Anthony Davis is straight up on him. I mean, great defense, and then is able to lean in without failing to contest Jokic's shot, and Jokic like measures the rainbow. And then throws it over the <laughs> rainbow and arcs it in. And Anthony looks at the bench like, what do you want me to do? I mean, that that shot is getting really annoying for opponents. But it's becoming a very lethal weapon for Jokic. Like, he was already good as a perimeter shooter. But when he's able to create an inside-the-arc shot, when being contested as heavily as he was last night, and still make it, nearly unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> this is a team that... Uh, you know, give the Lakers some credit. They fought hard and came back in the fourth quarter and almost stole it away from them. Yeah, it's almost Denver like you, outplayed you them saw for three quarters. A reverse course of what the Nuggets been able to do ever since the first round of the series. Nuggets are up by 20-97-77. All of a sudden, like five straight turnovers turns into like twelve straight points for the uh, LA Lakers, and this thing's cut to five. Just like that. And it just seemed like the Nuggets' offense was out of sorts. They were either looking at Jamal Murray for some iso ball, or they're looking at Jokic to either fake a handoff to Murray and go to the hoop, or set a screen for somebody and hope somebody else was going to be open. Like they just couldn't get any offense while up by twenty. And I think as soon as the Lakers cut it to twelve, they felt like they had a legitimate shot at winning the scene. Yeah, that um... was it. Like ten and a half minutes, right? Lakers go on this nineteen to two, incredible run. Yeah, and and what what the kicker to that is, Eric, is the defense. It wasn't man to man defense. The craziest thing about the NBA is that as smart as coaches and players are, they can't figure out a two three zone and how to break it. That's what the Lakers played on them. They all of a sudden stuck a high, I mean like a high defender, on the arc and went right at Murray and doubled him. Or if someone was, I mean, not just Murray, if it was Jeremy Grant, if it was Harris, if somebody who is usually uncomfortable having the ball while being pressured, they sent Velociraptors after them. And it just, that's when things really started to unravel for the Nuggets. Yeah, they... they A 2-3 zone, man. Yeah, that was... Well, LeBron James talked about it afterwards, and they tried to... Change things up. They'd go to a zone, and then they'd go man, and they'd try a, a different zone. Just trying to confuse Denver with what they're trying to do defensively. But that seemed to be the most effective, which was kind of odd. Um, but you know, Denver went for more than three minutes without scoring a bucket there in the fourth quarter to open the window for the Lakers to come back at them. Uh, then they were cold again for another couple of minutes, so they struggled. But they had uh, done well enough in that third to give themselves a cushion. But look, this is also a team that played under the wire in game two. So they've got confidence. Denver knows they can play with these guys. They know they can... They're not playing with any pressure. That's the thing about this Denver team. They've got great team chemistry. They're not playing with the with pressure. They don't have the expectation to win and win big. They're just going out there and playing ball. And we've got two stars that are that have been solid and pretty consistent uh, Jokic has certainly been more consistent than Murray has, but Murray is getting his shots now. And uh, when he's getting his shots and he can be a playmaker, that's a dangerous team. And and the, the Lakers still kind of spotty as to contributions they get from guys. One night it's Pope, another night it's Kuzma, 
And uh, maybe every now and then it's it's Rondo. I mean, Rondo was great in the last series, but has been pretty quiet in this one. So it's always kind of an unknown for uh, for the Lakers who that third person is going to be. And I guess to some degree that's been Denver's issue too. But um, you know, Michael Porter Jr. has been pretty consistent. It's just who's that fourth guy that that steps up. Um, but I think this series is going to go long, six or seven games. Why not? This Denver team, they've got weapons that the Lakers have a hard time with. Eric, not only that, but you look at game one. I think there was a free throw discrepancy that was pretty big favoring the Lakers. Game two, Anthony Davis has to hit a turnaround three from the left wing at the buzzard just to escape that. And then game three, you see the Nuggets come alive. Look, in, in game two, the Lakers committed 24 turnovers. And, and Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and the coach, and everybody else said we have to be better. But yet the Nuggets' defense continued to harass the Lakers into making self erroneous mistakes, like really dumb decisions as well. There's one where, for some stupid reason, uh, Rondo on a fast break threw a really bad bounce pass that was picked off. You had Danny Green try to throw into traffic to LeBron James. That was picked off. The fast break in the fourth quarter where I believe it was uh, three-on-one, and uh, Rondo has the ball. He's on the left side, and I think it was Kyle Kuzma and then Anthony Davis leading the break. Rondo, Anthony Davis gets the bounce pass from Rondo, and instead of just going to dunk it, or instead of giving it to a wide-open Kuzma, because the Denver defender had already committed to Rondo, Anthony Davis throws it back to Rondo, and it goes off his face and out of bounds. Like, just really stupid mistakes by the Lakers. And, like, they got away with it in Game 2, thanks to a three-ball at the buzzard. Game three, though, it was a different story. And I feel like if the Nuggets can continue to stay with that game plan, they don't need to make any major adjustments right now. They've been in games two. They were in game three especially. If you stick with that plan and just execute at the last five minutes of the game, you're going to beat this team. Because for some reason, in the fourth quarter, Lakers start to lose focus. I don't know what it is, but they have lost focus every fourth quarter. Well, they certainly dialed it up in the fourth quarter last night to but get it was themselves too late. back I mean, into it, the game. I mean, you're but, down 20 with 10 and a half minutes left. Yeah. But you know what? I would love nothing more than to see a Denver-Miami championship. Yeah, just to take off the rest of the world. <laughs> just to, I would love it. Just to, for all those conspiracy theorists, you never saw that coming. <laughs> yeah. That would shut a lot of them up, wouldn't it? Pretty yeah. quickly. Denver and the Heat in the bubble. Uh, Eric, so we look ahead to game four now. Series is 2-1. Do you agree that the, the Nuggets still have some sort of momentum here? Or do you feel like, look, the Lakers will regain control, get back to business, as should, and we're it's it's a commanding three games to one. I say commanding, but again, it's the Nuggets that we're talking about, and nothing is against the Nothing's Nuggets. over until it's over with these cats. So w- with that, is there any confidence that you feel like on the Nuggets side that they can actually tie the series? And like you said, push it to six or seven games. Uh, why not? I mean, the Nuggets played them to the wire and for all intents and purposes, could have, should have won game two. They didn't. And Anthony Davis has a great shot. And the Lakers did enough earlier on to give themselves a, a cushion there. Um, but Denver has confidence now. They know they can hang with these guys and beat them. Uh, are they going to win game four? I don't know. I don't know that there's really... A lot of momentum one way or another, but I think that this Denver team has had a big shot in the arm with confidence. 
that look, we, we pushed these guys to the wire in game two. We beat them in game three. We had their number for most of the game for game three. Um, even if they don't win game four, I, I think that they're going to still feel like eh, we're okay. They don't, they've, they've played remarkably well in knockout games. So even if they lose game four, don't count them out. How can you? How nervous are you if you're a Lakers fan? Let's go to the LA side. Um, yeah, maybe a little bit that there was an expectation that everybody was talking like, oh, they should roll through these guys. They're not the Clippers. They're not the defensive juggernaut. Um, you know, they should be able to take care of Denver. But again, Denver pushed them to get into the wire in game two, beat them in game three. Just keep this in mind. The Lakers don't go to a deep bench, just like the Clippers really don't either. Uh, but the Nuggets do. Eric, game four is tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Here's the kicker to all this. Game five is on the 26th, and then game six is on the 27th. It is a back-to-back night. So Frank Vogel is going to have to use some of that bench, or else the, or the Lakers are going to need to take care of business early into the third quarter and put this thing up by 25, 30 points if they want to get their starters from rest going into game six. I'm with you. I think we see a game six. That is why it is so pivotal the Lakers don't allow that to happen because going into the Nuggets are used to playing long, drawn out series. This is what they've been doing in the first two rounds. Going into a game six does not bother them in the least a bit. Meanwhile, the Lakers on the other side have had some trouble with that. This would be go to a game six would extend it further than they have before so far in this bubble in the playoffs. Back to back games five and six on back to back nights would be really scary for them. Okay, I'm looking at maybe I'm looking at the wrong spot, but I don't I don't see them with a back to back. So game five is on the 26th, game six is on the 27th. That's what I, I have here. I see that the Celtics Heat play on the 27th, and then the Lakers Nuggets play on the 28th. What are you looking at? ESPN. So am I. I'm not even joking you. I'm looking at ESPN. I'm going day by day looking at this, what is on the schedule. So I'm looking at the playoff series. <laughs> and yeah, it says game four is on TNT on the 24th. I'm going to make sure that my glasses are good. Game four is on the 24th. Game five is on the 26th. Game six is on the 27th. And game seven is on the 29th. Okay, because I'm now I've looked at another sp- spot on ESPN with their schedule. Yeah, game four on the twenty fourth. Yeah, game five on the twenty sixth. Yeah, game six on the twenty eighth if necessary. Game seven on the thirtieth if necessary. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, stay tuned, everybody. Yeah. Someone's getting fired at ESPN, mm-hmm. though. Check your local listings. <laughs> Uh yeah okay, I thought that was weird. They had back to back games in the playoffs for a Western Conference Finals. It'd be totally unnecessary to do so. Boston and in Miami they play tonight. Okay, let me look at let me look at that one. Game five is uh, September twenty fifth. Game six would be the twenty seventh if necessary, and game seven to be determined if necessary. They haven't even set a date. So they would be on alternating days. Okay, yeah, I have. Okay, wait, say that one more time. Game four is when today. In the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah. Game four is tonight. 
Game five? September 25th. And six? September 27th, if necessary. And game seven to be determined. Which necessary. would probably be on the 29th, wouldn't it? If it's probably. Day. Because that would be that would follow the alternating nights for Eastern and Western. Yeah, I'm just checking. Like, I, I mean, I'm just being, I'm making, keep myself honest, I should say. And it says, yeah, 25th and 26th are back-to-back games for game five and game six. You'll have to share with me with the screen you're looking at. I have to. Because uh, two different places I've looked. All right. It's neither here nor there. It doesn't really matter right now. Oh, they changed it. No, they didn't. So Okay, okay anyways, yeah. Look, if they do play back-to-back so, games, it's going to be a struggle for the Lakers because they haven't. And that's the other thing. But, Eric, really, in the tier of it all, if the Lakers get pushed to six – they're not getting. They're not used to that. Meanwhile, the Nuggets have been in Game Sevens in back-to-back series, and they've been like they've been down three-one. There is nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, that foils their energy. There is nothing that foils their confidence. If they're down three games to one, you know what they say? We have them right where we want them. Huh. Yes. Yeah. And no kidding. If you're the Lakers, you've got to win. You've got to win that Game Four. That is a more pivotal game for the Lakers to win than it is for the Nuggets. If this series is tied to and you're guaranteed a game six, I don't know if the Lakers get out of the Western Conference Finals. I really don't. Because that's all the confidence that Denver needs is to be tied. That's like, that is the best amount of confidence that could be asked for. Is to say, oh, hey, we're tied at two games. Hey, we're not down three games to one. Oh, this is wonderful. We only have to win two games instead of three straight. This is awesome. How strange will it be for Denver if they tied it to a piece? This is un- that would be uncharted territory. That's for true. Them. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a great point. I don't think the Lakers have they had their series tied at all though. I think they've been up what two games to one. I don't think they've had it tied at two either though. If I'm not mistaken, let's see. They lost game one against the Blazers, and then they won the next four. They lost game one against Houston, and then they, they won, won the next, next four. four. <laughs> so. Following a little bit different pattern right now in this series. Yeah, it, just a tad bit. Again, they they won games one and two, but you needed 38 free throws to beat them in game one. You needed a buzzer beater from Anthony Davis to beat them in game two, and then you get you know, you get worked. Yeah, in you fall game short three. in game three. I know you're. I know you lost by eight, but you were down by 20 with 10 and a half minutes to go. If the Nuggets don't get lazy with the off offensive side of the ball, they probably win by 25 because and your starters are out with. Seven minutes left in the game. Because knowing Frank Vogel, he's not letting his starters play in a game down 25 in the fourth. No. So, and I think he told his bench, look, you got one more run. You got one more run as starters, and if I don't see anything, you're done for the night. We'll just get ready for game four. He got what he wanted out of him, gave him a chance, and this is where we're at, 114-106. Yeah, but great performances from those uh, X-Factor players for Denver. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the guys that really stepped up and, and played big. Um, it, will it be another big night for Jeremy Grant, uh, Morris off the bench, or could it be somebody else? Will it be Michael Porter Jr. who plays well? Will Craig well, have a showing? I wanted to ask you about MP Jr. So show up. We're seeing it on the offensive side where he's the third best scorer, but defensively he continues to just be an absolute liability. Yeah, and, and it's, it's no matter problem. who he's guarding. Like Alex Caruso sized him up. Alex freaking Caruso sized that kid up and took him to the rim with ease. And got a layup. 
And then, uh, who was it? Was it Kuzma? Then took him to the rim and got a foul and won. Like, and, and it's because he was trailing behind the play defensively. I would. Do you risk having MP Junior out there? Just it's a calculated thing because uh, while you may give up points for the other team, at least he gives you points for your team. So it's not necessarily a net loss all the time. If he wasn't producing offensively, then yeah, why is he even seeing the court? Yeah, but at least he can give you points, and so it's not too much of a net loss. Maybe it's just a zero sum. You know, nothing really happens. It's a push. So I think that's the game that Michael Malone is playing with him. It's like, look, we know we need to. You're a defensive liability, but you also help us offensively, and we like your size to go grab rebounds for second chance opportunities or to take away additional chances for them. So it's kind of that calculated risk. Like we know what we're giving up, but we also get something with, as an opportunity. So stick with them. We'll ride it. All right, let's take a break. Coming back, we'll look at tonight's Game 3 of Boston-Miami. That's right, we're at Game 3 of Boston-Miami, who have had nearly four full days off waiting to get back on the court. Miami leads this series two games to one. Do they make it 3-1 tonight? We'll get a preview from Eric and Ajay. You're on the Full Court Press, 106.9 The Fan. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Derek France and LJ Salves here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 The Fan. So I want to make sure I let our listeners know that sometimes we do think that AJ might be on drugs. That's rare. <laughs> Based on maybe some of the takes or the opinions. I love you pointing me out. <laughs> But I went over and I verified based okay. on what you were looking at. Okay, timeout. So you you had, had some bad information there. Okay, timeout. So you came over and verified for me. Why did I come over and verify for you? <laughs> well, I huh? I offered first. Huh? You could have. <laughs> we just both swap computers. <laughs> Hold on. Let me go look at yours then. Yeah, you. AJ was looking at a sidebar that had incorrect information about the NBA playoff schedule. And I showed him where I was looking in multiple locations, and yeah, you're welcome. America. He was looking at some uh, bad juju. <laughs> not not his fault. Well, maybe you shouldn't have verified a few other places, but why? Okay, so but I, I can't I just look ver- at, the so place you were you, looking. Was you wrong. know what? Did you go verify in a few other different places, or did you just go to one place and say, you know what, that's it? I'm sorry I, I, that I looked at ESPN.com and saw that they played on the 26 and 20. I'm sorry. <laughs> I should have went to Yahoo. I should went to CBS Sports. I should went to CashValleyDaily.com. I'm sorry. Well, it is always a good place to go, but I I did look at a couple different places just to verify. Hey, uh, anyway, again for everybody, uh, we are looking for an every Wednesday segment. For example, we have our Monday. Put a cap on a Monday where we cap the whole weekend. Tuesdays are stat and player. Uh, Thursdays are pick six and Fridays are Friday five best. We need a segment for Wednesday. We used to do the movie quiz and now we are done with that. So nine, eight, three, five texted in a, an, an idea. I don't know why I'm getting grilled on this so much. You can steal a bit from Colin coward and do where RJ was right. And where RJ was wrong. That's just harsh. I was right. Cause you know what? We could do the right where I win pick six. And we could do the wrong 
where I suppose he looked at ESPN.com, which is a cardinal rule, <laughs> rule not to do that. Uh, Eric, game three tonight between, oh, excuse me, game four tonight between the Boston Celtics and Miami Heat. Boston trails the series two games to one, but they've had a very lengthy layoff. I mean, we have had quite a few days off. In fact, uh, I think it's, what, four days, Eric, since we've actually had? Where am I looking here? Uh, yeah, it's been about four days. Yeah. It was three days off for scheduling purposes with the series. Uh, that now will be back to its every other day format the rest of the way. Uh, the Celtics won game three, 117, 106, and now hopefully have a little bit of confidence in that win on uh, Saturday. Jalen Brown, Tatum, and Kemba Walker combined for 72 points, each playing more than 40 minutes again. Dude, so, just, so, yeah, so who benefits more from the extra time off? Oh, the oh, Boston. Absolutely, Boston. And by the way, Gordon Hayward who came back uh, for the first time since August 17th with a ankle injury, uh, played 31 minutes off the bench, and I thought he was really good. I thought he was a really productive 31 minutes off the bench. This Boston team now is rested. They're rejuvenated. They're back at it. Uh, good well, team. and they have Gordon Hayward to run through practices with them again. Yeah, and he hasn't been able to do that the last time. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, Boston in Game 3, Eric, shot nearly 50% from the field. They outscored the Heat 60-36 to in the paint. Which one is a bigger problem for the Heat? Being dominated in the paint the way, the way they were, or having Celtics score, I mean, or excuse me, shoot nearly 50% from the field? Which one's a bigger issue to you? Well, uh, probably what goes on in the paint. Yeah, that's... Because you're going to get really easy looks, and your field goal percentage is going to be a lot higher when you're that low. Well, and Bam Bam just looked non-existent in in like second and third quarter as well, and that's kind of when the Heat or excuse me, where Boston went on their run. But yeah, at, at the same time, I think you said this before last week, even before, even after the game two win, you said Jimmy Butler is trying to be too much of offensive instead of allowing the offense to be created through whatever the open look is. Uh, Tyler Harrow's a good, great shooter. Gordon, Goran Dragic has been really good offensively. Duncan Robinson's had some Duncan huge Robinson's games from good. beyond the arc. But I felt like, and you said this really well, and in fact, as I went back and watched some of the film, you're right. Like Jimmy Butler tried to do a little bit too much when he didn't need to. Uh, and so for me, the key tonight for the Heat is Jimmy Butler's got to allow the offense of, or to me, the Heat offense to be the Heat offense. Run through everybody. Run through the best shot. That's what Eric Spolster's offense has always been about. Find the best look with the most open guy instead of trying to force something. Well, and and uh, Jay Crowder, as much as I love that guy and how he plays and the passion that he brings every day, he's he's got to be better about his shot selection, and he's got to find his stroke. Um because he was two for ten in uh, in game four, assuming game three, and they were all from beyond the arc. Uh, he's got to be able to do if it's not falling, you're, you're shooting twenty percent. You got to go find something else. Yeah, uh, get a layup in, get a, a mid range jumper in to watch the ball go through the hoop, and then you can take it back out. He's not one of those pure shooters that just keep shooting and they're gonna fall. <laughs> Jay Crowder's not that kind of guy. Go attack the rim, make something happen, uh, and then bring it back out. Um, the uh, Miami needs him to be a better, 
better scorer, better contributor. And I need, I need a little bit more uh, sense of urgency, right? Game one, he fall behind, what, 14? Game two, they fall behind uh, 17. Like, the whole falling behind thing against good basketball teams, I don't know how teams are getting away with it right now, being down that much and then coming back and winning. Nuggets, hello, how do you do? Uh, but it's it, it's something that Miami's not going to get away with. I don't think they have the talent to honestly continue to do this and then have to rely on the dramatics to get a win. Uh, but, but, like, I mean, like you said, Butler's averaging 17, Bam Bam's 22, Drosrick's 21. Uh, but you're going to need everybody, everybody to stay paced with this offense. Uh, it just, I mean, the starters alone, you need everybody on the offensive side of the ball to be good tonight if you want a chance with Boston. Yeah, and, and I think for Boston, one of their keys is uh, can Kenba Walker bring the same level of oh, so e- elite-style play that he had so big. in Game 3? Because he's had some games where he's, he's there. We know he's wearing a uniform, but he's not impactful. Uh, I thought that he, he played more of an, like an impact player in Game 3. So if they want to wrap this thing up, he's got to step it up. We know Jason Tatum's going to bring his A game. Jalen Brown continues to bring his A game. But will Walker be consistent? Will he continue to play at a high level? You bring up a great point because it reminds me, Walker went on too many runs by himself in games two and then did it in game three. The game two kind of started helping him claw back just a little bit, and they ended up getting blown out. Uh, He had that mini 6-0 run uh, versus in, in game two. In the first half, though, in game three, when things were still a little bit tight, he went on another mini six row or six zero run. He had the a layup on the drive to the hoop. He had a step back jumper, uh, and then he had a floater to the rim. Like you said, he created his own offense, and then like the whole team, just it got contagious. Right, his offense got contagious. I bring up a great point. If Walker can be productive, if he can continue to be aggressive, smart aggressive, and be productive, this team's gonna run away with the tonight's game four. Right, don't. Don't go in there thinking of uh, your days when you're in Charlotte. Remember that oh, you're geez, surrounded no. by great players in Boston, <laughs> and everything should be okay. But that's not a big problem for Kemba. I, I would, no, I would it hasn't say. really been because he he's the one guy who will go drive baseline, and I mean his eyes immediately go to the corner where Jalen Brown usually stands, or to the wing where Jason Tatum is, or someone coming down the middle of the lane, and you can just feed him a nice bounce pass in rhythm and for a dunk. He's so unselfish in that regard. But I think there's times every team needs one. Jazz have Donovan Mitchell. Denver has uh, Jamal Murray. I think for Boston, it's going to be Kemba Walker. When, look, we need a gut punch. We need someone to, uh, you know, be a shot in our arm and in uh, in an offensive way. I think Kemba Walker is that guy. Well, Boston benefits from having a couple of those guys, to be frank. I mean, Tatum can be that guy and has been. On multiple occasions. What about Jalen Brown? Jalen Brown has been that guy on several occasions. Yeah. So they that's the thing about this Boston team is they've got playmakers, shot makers. They're deep, even more deep now that Gordon Hayward is available. Um, but this is going to be really the, the, the coaching uh, of his career for Eric Spolstra to see what his team can do uh, to counter what Boston is doing now that they've got another weapon available to them. And what, what more can he draw out of his unsung heroes? Uh, Bam Adebayo, he's been playing great. Um, he needs some help down low in the post. 
Uh, who, Kelly Olynyk, eh, he's been wildly inconsistent. Really hasn't been that impactful at all. So it, Derek Jones Jr., he's been wildly inconsistent for Miami. So what kind of production and help can Eric Spolster pull out of his bench to help his starters? And, and speaking of starters and bench, the 30, let's see here, make sure I got this right. The 43 minutes from the bench that they got against Miami in game three was the second highest in the playoff bubble for the Boston Celtics of their bench in regards of minutes that they played. Yeah. I That's mean, incredible. 31 of those came from Gordon Hayward. When you got that kind of a level of player coming off your bench, it's going to help. That's a big difference. It's a, uh, it, that makes a huge difference for Boston and how they handle rotations and minutes. You let your starters sit a little bit extra long, uh, longer than they have been. It makes a huge difference for Boston. We'll pay big dividends down the road. Does Hayward come off the bench the rest of the series? Uh, fair question. I don't know. I think it just depends on how his ankle's doing. I think he's better off the bench. Like There's no pressure on him, right? And even in the starting lineup, there's no pressure when you're playing next to Tatum, Walker, and, and even Smart or Brown. But well, if- yeah, who would he replace? You know, who sits? Tice? And you just go small? And uh, Tatum's your, your center guy that's going to go up against Adebayo? Yeah. That probably doesn't murder. make a lot of sense. So, is okay, what smart? About, so, yeah, I was going to say, what about smart? What if you sit smart and you allow Walker, Brown, Hayworth, Dice, and Tatum? That's, that's pretty good. I, I think that Hayward still comes off the bench. Me too. For maybe at least a few more games. Well, and I think it's a more comfortable thing for him mentally, right? Again, you're not having to rely... You don't feel like there's pressure on you as a starter. If you score 13 points, I mean, 10 points as a starter, people look at that and be like, dude, what the heck were you doing for the f- in, for the night? You score 10 points off the bench as a, again, as a bench guy, that's productive. That actually looks productive. It's kind of deceiving, but that's just how it is. And maybe you do that with, with him only needing to put up 10 to 12, maybe 15 points. What did he have in game three? Do you have that? I don't even know what he put up in Game 3. Hayward. Hayward, he had six points. But um, he did a lot of other things as well. It wasn't just scoring. He didn't score a whole lot. But he did a lot of things coming off the bench. He had six points, but he also had five rebounds, four assists, three steals, and a block. Jeez. Guy had a bum ankle. And by the way, the birth of his child has or is occurring, and so he decided to stay in the bubble, right, because of the extended layoff that he had with the ankle sprain. Yeah, he and his wife decided it'd be okay to stay in Orlando. He doesn't need to come back for nap time. Congratulations, Taylor. You've grown up. You're a big kid now. Uh, but again, tonight, Celtics Heat, Game 4. That game is scheduled for 6.30 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, and then you know, it'll be an every-other-day format, according to ESPN.com, but we know that can't be reliable. <laughs> it just depends on what page you're looking at. <laughs> All right, uh, Eric, let's take a break. Coming back, uh, we'll take a lengthy break as well. Uh, we'll combine the two final commercials and uh, or two final breaks and put them into one and then wrap up the first hour, get ready for the second hour. We need to talk some college football in the second hour. Um, Mount West Conference, it looks more and more like we're going to have a season. They're 24th or 31st. 31st or 24th, which one looks like it? And if the conference schedule would be like as it is for Utah State, in that order, and we'll – We'll tell you what we mean here in the second hour. How would the Aggies do? Where would the Aggies finish? 
uh, talent on all over the division, by the way, or excuse me, all over the conference in a lot of ways. And what if if a team sits out, how does it affect the Aggies' schedule, and who would they need to replace them on the on the Aggies' opponent's uh, schedule? I guess that's what I'm trying to say. All right, let's take a break. I gotta quit talking. We're gonna have a segment. It's called, a fan. You know what we should do? We should have a segment called a bird bird. And then it's kind of where we're trying to talk, but we can't say what we're trying to say, uh, and it just comes out wrong. Why would we want to remind our listeners of that? They had to suffer through it once. Oh, you were asking once? them to suffer through it one once? more time. You played it every freaking day. No, I mean once? if we if we made up made a mistake and we screwed up trying to speak, they were had to suffer through it that one time when we were messing up. We'd be asking them to. Suffer through it one more time. Hey, remember those two times where you weren't listening to me and then you <laughs> called me out on it for whatever reason? Yeah, me too. Let's go to break. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Troy's a playoff team. Wait, what time's that game at again? Uh, don't you have Taysom Hill on speed dial? He'd tell you. Hey, how about uh, Taysom Hill leading the Saints to a big Monday night win over the Raiders? Did he even see the field? Wait, he didn't, wait they didn't win. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean he didn't see the field? Stop it. Of course he saw the field. From the sidelines. Uh, Did you not see his game? <laughs> He played pretty well. Be a hater, but understand he's great. You can hate, but he's great. That's why you hate. That's why you ain't. Uh, Eric, uh, Adam Silver uh, talked a couple days ago about uh, just answering some questions, almost like a state of the NBA address, or address, if you will, because there's a lot of questions going into what next season's going to look like or when it's going to happen. Um, and he, you know, put out some pretty interesting tidbits that you know, season uh, people are hoping for December, but hold your breaks. Well, the the entire interview was actually quite fascinating with Bob Costas. Uh, he covered the issues of uh, China and how the NBA has had to be very careful in how it uh, addresses the you know, uh, <laughs> giving opportunity for NBA employees to have the freedom of speech while also not trying to upset a huge market in China. Um, but they'll certainly encourage pl- people and players in the NBA to speak out on social problems within America, but will just doesn't encourage them at all to say similar things that need to be said in China. So that was interesting to hear how Adam Silver tried to dance through that. But... Uh, questions about the upcoming season. He made it sound like you know, early on we thought December 1 would be the start. Then it moved to, ah, it's probably more likely Christmas Day will be the beginning. Well, last night, uh, Adam Silver, I guess it was on Monday, um, Adam Silver saying, ah, actually might be more like start of January. Oh, boy. But we still plan to do a full 82 games. And we hope to have fans in the arenas. So I like the idea of an 82-game season, but not when it starts in January. January, It's going to affect your next season. Yeah, because... It's going to affect the Olympics. It's going to affect any international play. How many months does the season go? November through what, June? 
November, December, and so yeah, the play the championships in the first part of June, and they said they would eliminate five four games in five nights, back to backs, traveling. They that they would eliminate it, and they have. But does this does this go back to increasing that now? Yeah, I Do don't. You know. have to play four games in five nights now. That's the only way I can think about it. I think the NBA owners are like, look, we need to have forty one home games. For we need the revenue. Forty uh, percent of the of the revenue is from the gate and uh, concessions. So they need fans. So they need to have home games. So they're fighting not to have the season shortened because they already had a season, a big chunk of a season in the lucrative playoffs taken away from them. So they're fighting for those home games. So I'm sure it's a a tough task for Adam Silver to try to figure out how to manage one season without having it adversely affect another, but... And then again, you brought up a good a good note. The Olympics are still going on in June. Or actually, I mean July, August. All right, let's take a break. Coming back, second hour of the Full Court Press. This is above the noise. The bubble has been full of unlikely headlines. I definitely don't remember anyone predicting that Jamal Murray would be out dueling LeBron and Anthony Davis in a conference final game. But that's what happened to the Nuggets in Game 3's win last night. After the Lakers captured the first two games, a lot of people probably counted Denver out. But this Nuggets team doesn't go away. And Murray got hot late. And role players like Jeremy Grant did a great job on both ends to help Denver win. The Lakers aren't panicking by any means, I'm sure. They didn't start out with a lot of energy, but they made a furious run late. One loss won't dent their confidence, but they face a real challenge trying to put away the Nuggets. Denver's come back from a 3-1 deficit in the first two series. And even if Los Angeles comes back to win game four to go up 3-1, you can't say the series is over. Not against the Denver Nuggets team that refuses to go home from the bubble. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.